the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. In Geschäften gilden zwei, der Hittate in der Reihe, und der Zickele an Eichat gab ju. Der Katz kann nicht sie kicken, der Singe dit dem Regen, dem Zickel da Regen, Chat gab ju. Schnellling geschwind, gib ne Größe hin, den Katz will er umschind, Chat gab ju. Noch im Mitten sich balecken, gib du ne Größe steck. Welcome to the Jewish Hour, I'm your host, Herschel Finman. That is really a very cute song. We are doing uh, Ready for Passover. That was actually a Chad Yadya, a version of Chad Yadya. And uh, that's the concluding song at the end of the Seder, at the end of the Passover Seder. In this half hour of the show, we are going to be featuring a rebroadcast of a what's become a classic uh, Passover cookbook. It's called the No Potato Passover with Aviva Kniff. It's it's really good. I mean, the the, the the book has been out for a while, and it's still available, and uh, worth checking out, I would say. In the second half hour of the show, we're going to talk about the portion of Shmini, maybe talk a little bit about Passover. we still got some time left. We have an awesome Hasidic story. Of course, all the Hasidic stories now deal with cities that are in the news. So it's like people never heard of, like, Lvov, but now they do, or Kharkov. But now they do. Or in this case, it's Kremenchuk, which is in Moldova, which whoever heard of Moldova. But before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Six Israeli drone aircraft carried out an attack on an airbase in western Iran. Hundreds of Iranian drones were destroyed. Israel established a field hospital in Ukraine that can treat 100 patients a day. The hospital cost over $10 million. Border police officers came under fire in the Balata refugee camp. Three rioters were killed. Dozens of Palestinians clashed with Israeli defense forces at Joseph's tomb near Shechem, throwing firebombs and rocks at Israeli security forces. No Israelis were hurt. Twenty rioters were arrested. 
An Israeli border policeman was shot and lightly wounded at a riot in Jenin. The gunman was shot by security forces. Both the soldier, this is an interesting thing, both the soldier and the terrorist are listed in stable condition at the same hospital. And for all of you who are going to be in in Israel for Passover, here's something to do on one of the intermediary days. Direct flights between Tel Aviv and Sharm el-Sheikh, that's at the very bottom of the Sinai Peninsula, right on the Red Sea. My wife was there. She said it was way cool. But anyway, direct flights between Tel Aviv and Sharm el-Sheikh started this week. The move is seen as a warming between Israel and Egypt. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. The Jewish Hour. We have on the live line Miss Aviva Kanoff, who is the author of The No Potato Passover Cookbook, A Journey of Food, Travel, and Color. How are you today, Aviva? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Thank God. Okay, so you've got this book, this cookbook over here, and the premise is no potatoes. And I know, and everybody else knows, that when it comes time to Passover, which is an eight-day all-you-can-eat fest that we usually wind up gaining anywhere between 5 to 10 pounds. And taking out the potatoes is just going to ruin all that. I know. That's unfortunate. <laughs> you won't have to take out your shoes after you answer. Indeed, indeed. So tell us your impetus in writing No Potato Passover, please, Laviva. Uh, sure. Well, actually, last year I decided to challenge myself with the No Potato Pesach Challenge because I, like many other people, were sick of just making potatoes for eight days straight. And, you know, everyone's trying to trying to lose weight the whole year, and then they're like, oh, no, Pesach's coming. We're going to get, you know, we bought all these Pesach clothes that we're not going to get fit into, you know, so that's a problem. And But aside from that, that's just a, a side measure. Um, I just got really bored of making potatoes, and I wanted to challenge myself since I do the cooking at home. I wanted to see what would happen if we didn't use one potato. Okay. So I told my mom, and she freaked out. But I told her, you know, don't worry. You can use them for car pot. But other than that, I want to see how it goes. Okay. And I was really surprised with the outcome. Okay. Now, you've incorporated in your uh, cookbook... Um, brand new on the kosher for Passover scene 
is quinoa. People are really just starting now, just still finding out about quinoa. I remember way back when I first became religious in 1976 that people started asking if we could have brown rice on, on Shabbos, not on Pesach, of course. And people who were like raised religious had no idea what brown rice was. And here it is now in the 2000s. Quinoa has been around, I don't know, it's gained popularity about uh, eight, ten years ago. And about three, four years ago, people decided to think about eating it on Passover. And I see yeah. That you've included incorporated quinoa into many of your recipes. So first, for people who have never heard what the, of the word quinoa, Ben, you ever heard of quinoa? Ben has never heard of quinoa. Okay, so tell tell Ben, our trusty board up, what is quinoa, and maybe if you know a little bit about the controversy and how you're going to use it on Passover, please, uh, Viva. Well, luckily, I'm a little bit informed about all of those questions. Um, try to help you out. Quinoa is actually, people think of it as a grain because it looks like a grain similar to couscous, but it's actually a seed, and it's from the cabbage family. It's a chenopad. It's from the cabbage family. It looks, you know, to the human eye, it looks similar to couscous. So it looks very similar to a grain. Um, It's actually a vegetable. So you say hazom on it, it's, you know, it's not mazonos. It's not a grain, but the controversy is that Unless you have your mazola in Bolivia, where your quinoa is from, you know, it's grown all over South America, and it's been a superfood there for thousands of years. Americans are just catching on to it, though. Um, And there is a huge controversy in the Jewish world because, you know, a lot of people don't have a mazola in quinoa, so they're like, I don't know. Could you explain the term? Could you explain the term mazola, please? Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. Um... People, you know, the Jewish tradition relies heavily on what our ancestors have been doing for thousands of years. Um, and that's really important in our tradition today and how, you know, how we keep Judaism today. So there are new things that are happening all the time because this is the modern age. So sometimes there are conflicting views with modernity and the, our past traditions. So just like, you know, we didn't have electricity the time of some of our great sages, it doesn't mean that we can't use electricity today. Yeah, yeah, I know. If I can just interrupt you with a little anecdote, my uh, sure. there there is a there, you're, people are very very get very fussy when it comes to Passover, and my grandmother used to say everybody's Mr. Goss, everybody's craziness is okay on Passover. The the chief I was in Australia for a while, and the chief rabbi of Australia, a very formidable, brilliant man, uh, very charismatic, and he said that he did not eat avocados on Passover because his mother of blessed memory, never ate avocados on Passover. And it was sort of like, well, duh, your mother never saw an avocado, so she never ate it on Passover. So, of course, you know. But thank God we do eat avocados. and So it depends on what your traditions are. So go ahead, continue, please. We're back to quinoa. Yeah. What's the, What was the controversy then? Uh, okay, so the controversy this year is because, you know, uh, for the past few years, I myself only heard about quinoa two years ago. Um for the past few years, you know, I, since I heard about it, I, I've been asking my rabbi in Miami, um, you know, if it's permissible to eat on Pesach, and can we apply it, does it have to have an OUP? And he said, as, you know, as of last year, you were able to buy a big bag at Costco, and just, you, you know, if it's a sealed bag, you were able to use it. But this year, because quinoa has really been catching on, and it's a known superfood, because all of this, 
quality is like high fiber and high protein, and it's really, really, really healthy for you. Um, so people want to get a piece of that. And since they started growing it more locally, people have been known to grow it near barley. Mm-hmm. And because it's grown near barley, they're thinking that it might be an issue of kidney oil. So there, there might be some sort of like cross contamination with the barley, which would be considered not Passover uh, worthy, and the quinoa. Right. Okay. Now, so just go ahead. To get around that is, you know, so the rabbis are like, oh, okay, that's you know, I see that this is a problem this year. So we can't just rely on any quinoa, but they have a Passover run mm-hmm. where they're able to make, you know, you're able to order quinoa that has had no contact with barley or wheat or grain or any other thing that might make it common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not able to eat I've, I've been having a running debate with some of the rabbis over here. The uh, I do supervision for the OK, which is one of the kosher supervising agencies, and uh, they receive one of the things I check out is they repackage quinoa from fifty pound bags into one pound bags. They the this is in uh, for Eden Foods, and uh, the they are so meticulous in. Uh, how these individual things are packaged. They package package a lot of things in these little one-pound bags. The extent that they go to prevent cross-contamination is such that the USDA has said about their stuff that you don't even have to run in a bag processing the same plant that processes wheat, for example, because they just do, whenever they get done with anything, they do just a tremendous scrub down. So I asked the, the, the... people, the who's who at the OK, can we put an OKP on it? And they said, we're not there yet. They didn't want to be, as one rabbi said, the first person to declare quinoa kosher for Passover, but it may be coming. My kids eat uh, quinoa on Passover, and uh, we use the Eden variety. But it does require, as the way that people who eat rice, for example, on Passover, have to check through it three times to make sure that there's nothing stuck to any of the grains. Go ahead, if you would continue. Um, yeah, there is, you know, there's definitely a, a controversy. I know that Star K gave uh, a hexer on it this year. They spoke about it, and the OU is still a little bit hesitant. Just like you said, they don't want to be the pioneers in, you know, in such a controversial issue. But like I said, I take it and check it out myself, you know. Hopefully that's my next trip. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the quinoa issue. That's good. I'm glad we got that cleared up. Yeah. Also, you know, I just wanted to say, I mean, this is a Passover cookbook, but I really recommend people eating quinoa all year, even if, you know, if they don't want to eat it for eight days, you should definitely eat it for the rest of the year because it's a wonderful, wonderful superfood. I agree. My quinoa has my endorsement. It's one of the few, I'm on one of those like diets and quinoa is one of the few starches that I'm allowed, a few grain-like commodities that I'm allowed to eat because it's not a starch. Anyway, so the the other recipes. Where did you get your recipes for your some of your main dishes, like your Hungarian bu- beef goulash, for example, Aviva Kanov? Where did I get that? Well, what I did is adapted a lot of well-known recipes, and I kind of put my own twist on it. If you look for a Hungarian, typical Hungarian beef goulash, you will find many potatoes in there. Um, but I just took them out and tweaked it to my liking. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a, a lot of recipes like 
Jacques which is a very classic recipe, and it's usually a convoluted recipe that takes up to four pages long until you get it right. And I basically simplified it. You know, I didn't come up with the term Jacques by any means, but I did simplify it to make it kind of more household, mm-hmm. household ingredient. And, you know, I also wrote, you know, I give some tips in the book. Um, just to kind of help people out while they're cooking. And I said, listen, if you can't find a duck, just use a chicken. It'll, you know, you don't have to go out and look for a little five-pound duckling. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, are you going to make duck this Pesach? No, I hate duck. <laughs> Fair enough. I what? hate duck and lamb, but I had to make it for the, for the purpose of the Pesach. You're not into fat, I know I'm not I guess, the only so. one in the world. Right. My, so my, my dog actually ate the, the duck and the lamb bones. <laughs> I was like, here, Frankie. Okay, there you go. My wife make duck, makes duck about once every eight years, and that was uh, last November. So we're not getting duck again for about eight years because it is such a pachka, as my grandmother would say. It's a pachka, but, it's, you know, if you have chicken alarms, it's really yummy, too. Okay, terrific. Now, what do you – people eat – one of the things that happens with me is, is that I – um, am exclusively a shmura matzah consumer, which is the handmade okay. shmura stuff, which shmura matzah we're going to have sitting in our house for the eight days of Passover. We're going to have 13 people. So feeding people matzah for 13 days gets a little bit on the pricey side. So the potato yeah. comes in handy, actually, when someone says, I'm hungry. So you say, okay, we got these potatoes. This is going to fill you up instead of consuming matzahs at $18 a pound. We can get potatoes at, thir- at 33 cents a pound. So what? How, how are we getting satiated on the no potato Passover of Eva Kanov? Well, the truth is, you know, if you're open to eating quinoa, that is super, super filling. And it has all kinds of nutrients, protein, and fiber that you're not getting from a potato. Okay. What else? And... Um, there's the spaghetti squash, which I use a lot as a pasta substitute. And if you eat that, you're getting full of fiber, full of nutrients. You're really, really full. You can eat it with tomato sauce and cheese. You can eat it with meatballs. You can eat it with pesto. You can eat it with all your favorite spaghetti recipes that you usually eat during the year. Okay. Uh, but you don't have any aversions to French fries, do you? You're not like an anti-French fry person. I don't have any aversions to french fries or mashed potatoes, but, you know, I just wanted people to branch out because I know that people go into freak-out mode when it comes to Pesach, and they run and they run to the store and they buy 50 pounds of potatoes, and I just, you know, I wanted to kind of lighten the mood a little bit and the, and the menu. Okay. Now, you've tested this... Um philosophy of no potato Passover last year in your own in your own kitchen. How did it go over? It was really, really, really awesome. I it was so much better than I expected. My family was really surprised, my friends were really surprised. And not only did I not eat potatoes during Passover, because I was cooking you know, because I was working on the cookbook all year, I basically hardly had potatoes for the rest of the year too. You know, so my friends would come over for Shabbos. I, I host a lot of Shabbos meals, and I usually have around 10 to 15 people there. Um, and they're like, okay, great, are we having potatoes this week? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> you know, it kind of came, came a joke with them that we've been eating, like, Pesach desserts and Pesach food all year round. But so far, no one's complaining. Okay, that's awesome. That is really awesome. Also, you know, I'm not putting a ban on potatoes. You know, people are more than welcome to eat potatoes as much as they want. I just, you know, like I said, I really just wanted to give people options and open themselves up to different kind of recipes that they're not used to. Okay. 
Did you have encounter any kind of uh, glitches when making the cookbook? Did things like you're thinking, I'm going to make a, some of this and then try doing it, and it just it it really didn't work for Passover? Yeah, actually, <laughs> what I do when I experiment and it doesn't come out good, I kind of like bury it in the in the garbage underneath things, like hide it under newspapers so nobody sees. Uh, Frankie know, doesn't get it. No. Oh. Frankie, Frankie doesn't get it. I hide it from her. It's really, really well hidden. <laughs> I don't like to. I don't like it to. You know, I don't like to have that under my belt that I created something disgusting. So, um, but yeah, there were there were some pretty bad recipes. Would you Would you like to Luckily, share? I've been cooking. What? Would you like to share something to just like don't warn people? Don't try this at home, folks. Um, I I tried this recipe. Only one comes to mind. I tried this recipe where I mixed um, quinoa and meat like a ground beef, and I stuffed it in a cabbage, and it was like the least... I stuffed... Sorry, not in a cabbage. I stuffed it in, a, in an acorn squash, mm-hmm. and it was the least appetizing thing I ever ate or looked at. I'm like, this cannot... This cannot be... This cannot be... In the okay. Cooking. Fair enough. You're telling me that's possible. Also, you have to, you'd have to um, cook the quinoa first, though. Yeah, you cook the quinoa first, and um, this is really important. I was doing a bunch of cooking demonstrations to promote my book for the past two weeks. And, um, you know, there's the bag says, if you buy a box or a bag of quinoa, it says to cook about 15 minutes. And I find that you have to cook it for at least 20 to 25 mm-hmm. before it's edible. And also with the spaghetti squash, I, I, um, me and my dad were sitting in the kitchen, and people have mentioned that they tried to make spaghetti squash, um, but they didn't have a lot of luck in the microwave. So I basically, I put a spaghetti squash in the microwave for 10 minutes without putting splits in it, without cutting it open. And it exploded. And it exploded. Right. So it definitely will do that if you don't if you don't puncture holes in it to air it out. Yes, indeed. Um, I, what I found out interesting things, we were talking about quinoa. It once happened that uh, someone accidentally, quinoa is generally like all grains, is two, water, two cups of water, one cup grain. And someone actually in my family did it like they for some reason put in four cups of it and then they forgot about it and it just like oh cooked for, and it cooked for like two hours and what happened is is the quinoa continued to expand and oh, it just wow. it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and it turned into like the quinoa that ate Cleveland it's just and oh it, wow and it turned into the consistency it lost its grain consistency and turned into a mush so I'm thinking we could do like a Pesach a mama liga that would be like really awesome which is like this cornmeal mush with, with vegetable stuff going on so, and there's also the story of when my daughter grabbed the wrong bag, thinking she was cooking quinoa and grabbed the sesame seeds, because it does look like sesame seeds. And as much as she tried to boil those sesame seeds, they did not turn into quinoa. So, something, oh, wow. else, something else to uh, to discuss. We are, you're listening to The Jewish Hour. We're talking to Aviva Kanoff, who has written The No Potato Passover. As people who are familiar with Passover know that you have to do something because we're not eating bread, and it's always been traditional at least in Ashkenazi homes, to uh, consume copious quantities of potatoes because it was like a readily available commodity. Now, if you would be from a, uh, a Sephardic background, but being from Jews from North Africa or, Pas- or, or from the Middle East, your, uh, your no potato Passover would be a moot point, would it not, Viva Kanoff? Um, technically, if you're just thinking of it in terms of not eating potatoes, but... There are so many, you know, I, I use so many different vegetables that even Svartan would want to use them. You know, so it's not a bunch of different rice substitutes. 
Um, you know, and also, like I said, about the difference between rice and quinoa, because, I, you know, I get asked, asked that question a lot. So for Spartans that eat rice, you know, because they're allowed to, if they wash it three times, and a lot of them say that it's more of a pachka, like you said, than it's worth. But um, even for the Spartans that eat rice, I would suggest eating quinoa because, like I said, you know, you're not, you don't get any fiber or protein or a lot of vitamins from rice that you do get from quinoa. So I would suggest, you know, for the Spartans that eat rice, substituting their rice dishes with quinoa as well. Okay, terrific. We're just about out of time for this segment, and thank you for coming on. Um, the book is, uh, again, The No Potato Passover by Aviva Kanoff. It's available wherever fine Jewish books are sold. It's on Amazon. And who's the publisher? I don't notice a publisher on it. Um, I'm the publisher. Oh, self-published? self-published. Okay. Well, we got it. I actually, I'm, I have a person who's a, an agent who sends me all kinds of stuff all the time, and that's who I got this cookbook from. It's actually wonderful. The pictures are wonderful. Tell us about the photography. Just oh, real quick. that was the best part. Um, I love traveling, and I wanted to find a way to incorporate my travel photography into my book because you know when I read when I read cooking magazines, let's say, I'm always intrigued by the recipes that have a bunch of travel photography and mm-hmm. you know incorporated where people have gone you know where they've gone to France and they've had all kinds of French cuisine but they include pictures of France that's always my favorite part okay. um, also I'm an artist mm-hmm. by profession as well you know that's really my passion so I wanted to make the book just really colorful really fun kind of like the scrap the like family heirloom that I never had. Um, just, you know, put together a bunch of pictures and a bunch of fun photography and all kinds of recipes that people actually want to eat that don't take too long because I don't take, I mean, generally I don't cook anything that takes longer than 10 minutes to make. That's my claim to fame. So there's That's a good rule. None of these, none of these meats where you have to marinate it for three weeks before you cook it. I start cooking for Pesach the day before and I'm done. The time to kill, go swimming. My parents house in Miami before the saving. Oh, I wish I had a pool I could go swimming in. This is Michigan after all. But okay, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Again, it's the No Potato Passover of Ivo Kanoff. And uh, continued success. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on. Okay, and a, and a happy and a healthy Passover. You too, and to your listeners as well. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Chiropractic Health. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Fitman here. You're listening to the Jewish Shower. That was actually pretty amazing, I will say. And it's a great it's a great read. It's very fun. Up next, for your listening pleasure, they'll this song was released uh the day before Purim, and it's got Elbaz. It's called Purim. We're still kind of Purim Esles, and it's still uh, still Adar, and Adar is supposed to be Marbin Besimcha all 60 days this month of, and you're going to say, how do you 60 days in a month? Because it's a leap month, and we have two months of making up the month of Adar. So let's listen to God Alba's rendition of Purim. 
I go anywhere else for your holiday shopping when you can go to the Grove. Fully renovated, the Grove is located on Greenfield Road just south of 696. At the Grove, you'll find the largest selection of kosher for Passover food and wines in Michigan. Looking for that special holiday treat? The Grove has it with a full line of kosher for Passover cake, frozen food, and all your favorites. The Grove is your place to shop. The Grove has the freshest produce, gourmet dairy, deli, and meats. It's the Grove on Greenfield Road in 696 for all your shopping needs. Herschel Finman here, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. We're going to do a little klezmer song for you. It's kind of sort of not klezmer. This is, this is like going back to uh, the theme of Ukraine and whatnot. This one was actually released in 1938. 
It's Aaron Lebedeb, who is a pretty was a pretty famous person in Europe at the time for his musical expertise. The song is called Odessa Mama. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Finman, are you listening to the Jewish Hour? We got time for one more song. This, we've been trying to mix things up. We started out with a Passover song that was, uh, we call it Heimish, I guess you'd call it. It's the new genre of music. And we played a Sephardi 
Purim type of a spiel song. We had a an, a European Yiddish song, and now we're going to do a Sephardi Manishtana. The four questions is what starts off the Passover Seder. Let's just listen. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This week, 
is a portion of Shmini. can be found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 10 and following. It has to do with the holiday of Passover. It's read in conjunction with Passover every year. Either it falls out in the holiday of Passover, or Passover falls out in the week of Parsha Shmini, or in the case of a leap year, for example, when people have already done with Purim and we're thinking getting prepared for Passover, so it follows in suit there. At the towards the end of the portion, the most of the portion deals with the uh, consecration and the inauguration of the sanctuary in the desert. And once they have that, they said, well, these are animals that you could use. And then it goes the whole thing into kosher and non-kosher animals. What's the deal with this kosher and non-kosher animals? What's it got to do with us? Well, obviously, it lists there the things that you're allowed to eat, which that's very important. This is not one of those things which is arcane and has no relevance because we still cannot eat a pig, camel, hare, or badger. And we can still only eat mammals that have split hooves and chew their cuds, and we can only still eat those birds that are not mentioned in the Torah as being unkosher, and we can still only eat things that come out of the water that have fins and scales. Yes. But remembering the idea and the constant thing that we convey over here in that everything in the Torah is an analogy for some character trait within us. So yes, we have a pig within us and a camel within us and a rock badger within us and fins and scales within us. And that's going to tie in with the holiday of Passover. What's the deal? How so? What's the idea of Passover? As the name indicates, what what's called Passover, as we know, because the angel of death passed over the houses of the Jewish people. The deeper meaning why it's called Passover is because the laws of nature were passed over in order to promulgate the miracle, which was the exodus of Egypt. Because up until that point, that was the greatest miracle ever wrought upon the world and only was superseded by the splitting of the Red Sea a week later and the giving of the Torah seven weeks later. And those haven't been surpassed at all. So those are the top three. But in order for the Jewish people a community of four, five, six million people with all their stuff to be removed from Passover in one day required that the laws of nature be Passovered. Indeed, these millions of people were jettisoned in the blink of an eye on the clouds of glory. One of the reasons why it says that kosher food is kosher food, if you ask ask a person, why is it that these animals are kosher and these things are kosher, these things are not kosher, the answer is very simply because God said so. We're not given the real reason behind it. But we can kind of understand that, for example, if you have a uh, car that runs on high test, And there are a lot of cars out there that just still, believe it or not, they're still running on high test. And you were to put regular gasoline in it, the the, the engine would, it would work, it would go. You get to where you got to go, but it would chug, it would complain. Gas mileage would not be as good. It would not be operating at peak performance. 
So it's the same thing also with the laws of kosher. If a Jew eats non-kosher food, will he be able to function? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Will he be able to even go and do mitzvahs? Yeah, absolutely. But even the Jewish body has been, it says, you have been chosen among the nations, refers to even the, even the Jewish body, and that requires high test, and therefore the need for kosher food, because it's described in the Kabbalah that those animals which have been deemed kosher have the ability to be elevated to holiness. And that requires us to either eat them at some type of a mitzvah meal, like at a Shabbos dinner or at a circumcision, at a wedding, that type of a thing, or to be very mindful that I am eating this food for the purpose of serving God and making the world a better place. When that happens, then... This nature of the cow, the sheep, the whatever it is this person is eating, is now bypassed. It's elevated. It's not a cow anymore. Now it's a vehicle for conveying godliness. So the Jewish people, at the exodus of Egypt from Pas- uh, on the, what we call referred to as the Passover, they were no longer Jacob's descendants. They were no longer just the children of Israel. But now, they through this miracle which was wrought and them being whisked away 120 kilometers in the blink of an eye, they were forged, elevated, you might say, into the Jewish people. And so we have a connection one to the other. We are going to take a quick commercial break and be back with a really awesome Hasidic story from the city of Kremenchuk. Now that we've all heard of that one, don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Fitman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. We want to wish all the best to Spex Howard and the entire Spex Howard family, even though the Spex Howard School of Broadcast is closed. But Mr. Howard now just recently celebrated his 95th birthday. That's like really pretty amazing. He's a very amazing fellow. And I look forward to the, to the moments that I get to spend with him at times. But if you would like to get in touch with me, do so by looking at the homepage of my website. If you're listening to the show on the website, rabbifinman.com, you can do this afterwards. And you can connect, connect with me if you have any kind of question, criticism, comment, query, or anything else like that. That's fine. We deal with those. We also have on RabbiFinman.com archived editions of the show 
And uh, you'll forgive our dust, as the expression goes, but we were in state, state <laughs> we we're reformatting it and cleaning it up and making it more user friendly. So for the time being, it's, just, it's an expression, the descent for the purpose of the ascent. So right now, it's not the greatest, but hopefully in the next several weeks, it will be back up and being formidable, even more so than its old self. We have other ways in which we present Judaism in various media for your entertainment and education. And there's also the very important donations page. We are now 28 years that we are on the air. This is quite an amazing thing. And we could not have done it without people like you contributing. So go to the donations page, click on whatever number you'd like to donate, make it a monthly donation, make it one time. It's all good. You also want to check out what's doing at Jewish Ferndale, a sister organization of the Jewish Hour. We had a uh, concert benefiting Ukrainian refugees last week on Purim. We had a packed house. We had awesome. If you missed it, you missed the show. You can go to my Facebook page. I put up like a 10-second reel of it. and I don't know. Maybe my wife put some stuff up on her Facebook page. But uh, it was it was a it was a hoot. Everybody went had a great time. Not a good time was had by all. It was everybody was blown away, including myself and my wife. And I'm still feeling it. That was how great a pass, great a Purim it was. So keep tuned for all the great things that are going to be happening at Jewish Ferndale, which is located at 1725 Pinecrest Drive, which is where you can mail your donations, and that's in Ferndale for eight two two zero. Story takes place actually in Paris. I've been saying Kremenchuk the whole time because the uh, the main character of the story is a wealthy businessman whose name is unknown. Some people know it, but I don't know it. He was, of course, as everybody was, he was raised in a very strict orthodox manner. And as he got older, became less and less involved as his business grew and he became more prominent and more wealthy. He needed to associate with greater and uh, ministers and business people. And of course, in business, it's not what you know, it's who you know and how they know you. And so he decided he's going to give up his Judaism pretty much. And he's pretty much playing the part of a good, at that time it was Russian. Uh, now it's Moldavia, the city of Kremenchuk. One day he's in Paris. And he understood that the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who at that time was the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, was in town, in Paris. The fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe was not a well person, and he would travel to different uh, places for medical treatments. And he did make a uh, trip to Paris, and if it was really up on my Lubavitcher history, I could tell you it was like 1907, but it was somewhere around there. And he, for some reason, had a tremendous desire to go see this rabbi. He didn't even know where it was coming from. He wasn't into the whole scene, Hasidic rabbis, but he really wanted to see the Rishab. So he came to the hotel, and of course, there's an entourage. And one of the people in the entourage is to the Rebbe scheduler. So he says he wants an appointment with the Rebbe. So the Rebbe said, the scheduler says, no, you can't have. So a whole argument ensued. There's two different versions. It was at one point the, uh, the, the businessman slapped the guy. Do you know who I am? It slapped him. But I'm not going to tell that version. 
It was a whole argument, and the Rebbe came out. What's all the, f- the brouhaha? What's all the fuss about? He told him he wants to see you right away. So the Rebbe took one look at him and said, come in. And the Rebbe sat down at a desk, and he was standing, this businessman was standing opposite him in front of the desk, and he was just crying uncontrollably. And he, the businessman, says, I have no idea why I was crying, but I was just so overcome. So the Rebbe sat there for half a minute and calmed him down and said to him, uh, what do you need? And he said, Rebbe, I don't need anything. I came to see. I came to look. So the Rebbe smiled at him and gave him a blessing that he should have success in all of his endeavors. That's all. End of audience. Doesn't sound like much. The guy came out. He was totally and completely shook. He said he had been in the presence of high-ranking ministers, wealthy business magnates, oligarchs, etc., etc. He never felt anything like he had when he was in the presence, so overcome and awestruck as the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. And at that point, he resigned himself or resolved himself that he was going to get more involved with his Judaism. And eventually... His kids are now, right now, his grandkids, great-grandkids at this point, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren are living in the Crown Heights section of Brooklyn and in Israel and also have uh, representatives in Chabad houses all over the world, and it's a very good thing. That's going to do it for the show today. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you have a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. If you need Shmura Matzah, you're living in the Detroit area and you would like to get your hands on the special artisanal handmade matzah, we have a full assortment, including gluten-free and organic, contact me at RabbiFinman.com. And until then, we'll see you again next week. Take care. Thousands of miles apart, not too far to sense each other's pain. The bombs rain down here with no reprieve Fear, a constant in our hearts And tonight Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency Knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to He understood its funding He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.